you. I appreciate that so much. Oh, I hope you heard those words that he just shared, first of all. That if you receive a righteous man in the, in the name of a righteous man, you will receive a righteous man's reward. Because I've preached and I've been a part of different messages and I've been a part of different services. And I've seen some people whose lives were radically changed. And I've seen others who were checking their watch to see where they could get a, in line at a good restaurant. So same anointing. Same message, one person's life is completely radically transformed and changed, another person is checking their watch. So it has a lot to do with you in the way that you posture your heart to hear the voice inside of the voice. You will receive a reward if your heart is hunger and in tune with the word that's being given, amen? Amen. All right. Well, I'm excited to be here. It is past my bedtime. I'm just going to be honest with you. But I had a five-hour energy, so I think I'm good until about one o'clock in the morning. We're going to roll with it, okay? Um, I just want to take a moment to honor uh, Pastor Wes and Pastor Tom. You know, the Bible says to give double honor to those who labor in word and doctrine. Double honor. So when you close your eyes and you imagine the word honor, just double down on that, and that's the way that we should uh, honor our pastors and our leaders that God has given us to shepherd and steward our hearts. But I just, I appreciate them so much. I, I love hearing Wes lead in worship today. It's been a little while since we've gotten together, and uh, you are so anointed. And uh, I, it's just a privilege and an honor. So thank you so much for trusting me with this. I do not take it lightly. And, and I'm excited to share this message that uh, God's put in my heart. But before, the, before we do that, we're going to kind of have like Catholic Church. I'm going to have you stand up, sit down. If I can have you stand up one more time, I'm going to pray over the word, okay? And again, as I'm praying, I really want you to tune your heart in to receive this word, to tear down the walls and the preconceived notions that you may have so that you can receive the word of God this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. Lord, I thank you that you've been alongside them on their journey. You know every thought that's raced through their mind. You know every emotion that's fluttered inside of their heart. You know the destiny and the calling that you have to unlock over their lives. And Father, we speak and we call down any walls that would try to erect themselves from receiving the word of God. We pray for an open heaven over this sanctuary today. Lord, I acknowledge my complete and utter dependence upon you. Holy Spirit, I can say and do nothing apart from you. So I commit to be fully yielded to you today. And I ask that you would fill my mouth with your words and that they would find their intended target and that they would bear much fruit. And God, we ask that you would receive all the glory and all the honor because you are so worthy. And it's in Jesus' matchless, awesome, powerful name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and take a seat. Woo, I'm excited to be here. Um, you know, it wasn't very long ago that I found myself in a meeting much like this one. Um, I was a little younger then, and I remember I had given my life to the Lord. I was on this new journey. I really didn't know which what up from down, and I remember the speaker came in. I was actually in Bible college. I went to Bible college 
Um, I recognized there was a calling on my life, and I went to Bible college even before I was raising my hands. I just knew there was something there, but I still was like working this thing out. And so if you're coming here maybe for the very first time, and you're like, I don't really know. Some of this is kind of weird. People running around. Somebody took their shoes off. I don't, you know, like I'm just trying to process all this. Hey, you're in good company, man, because I was in your shoes or maybe your feet uh, not too long ago. But I remember the speaker came up. Actually, I hate that. Let me just, these are speakers. This is a man of God that came up and gave this word. So let me give him the honor. I just just shared with you about honor. These are speakers, okay? But this man of God came up and he gave this word. And I remember it was a Bible college, so people get like ravenous over anything. So people are jumping up and down. Remember Tom Cruise when Oprah was interviewing him? He was jumping on the sofa. Probably none of you guys know that, actually. (laughs) Uh, there's, some old, there's some older people in the back that might remember that. Anyway, um, this minister came up and he said, you can have as much of God as you want. And everybody started going nuts and going, yeah, yeah. And then he dropped this bomb and I'll never forget. He said, in fact, you already do. And when he said that, my heart sunk in my chest because I didn't have as much of God as I wanted. I knew there was way more that God had for me. And I was having a difficult time even hearing his voice. So Jesus said, not only do we do the works that he was doing, but we would do greater things. I'm over here, okay, with the training wheels on. I wasn't even hearing his voice. So when this minister dropped that bomb, you can have as much of God as you want. In fact, you already do. I said, no, 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 no. I want way more. But you know what? The Bible actually paints this picture for us in James 4.8. James 4.8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So I got a question for you. Who moves first? Who moves first? You or God? Draw near to God, and he will draw near. You do. This should make you jump out of your seat, because there is something that you can do that causes the creator of heaven and earth to come closer to you. God promises, if you take a step towards me, I will step towards you. You know what else that tells me? I'm in control of how close I am with God, not God. Yeah, that's an ouch, man. That hurts a little bit. It stings a little bit. You know, the Bible says in James 4, 5, just a a couple of scriptures earlier, it says, Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit in us yearns jealously? That word yearns jealously, yearns. It means to uh, long after intensely. So the spirit, God's spirit that's on the inside of you is yearning for your attention. You know, the Bible says that God will never leave leave us nor forsake us. He's with us every step of the way. We hear that so many times that it almost becomes rote. Like we don't truly allow that to sink down into our hearts. That the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of us. And he wants to communicate with us. He's vying for our attention. He desires our attention. In fact, the book of Psalms 139 says it like this. How precious are your thoughts towards me. 
They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand in all of the world. I want you to think about that for a minute. This isn't hyperbole. Think about every desert, every beach, every golf course, every sandbox. God is saying that the thoughts that he has towards you personally outnumber the grains of sand in the earth. I learned something cool, I, a little science for you. That, that word just kind of makes me choke up now when I hear it, actually. But this is a little science. Um, they've done studies, and you know, as the ocean current comes in and crashes against the sand and breaks the rock, it actually makes new sand. So new sand is constantly being made. Even if you were to count every grain of sand on the earth, tomorrow there would be even more. And the next day, there would be even more. And those are the thoughts that God has for you personally. Not about the church, not about, but you personally. That is good news. You ever wonder, am I alone? Does anybody even care? Nobody text messages me. I don't already friends on social media. Like, does anybody even notice that I'm here? God does. He thinks about you all the time. He's never stopped thinking about you. Actually, if you look in the scripture before that, Psalm 139.16, it says that every moment of your life was recorded before a single day passed. Did you hear what I just said? Every single moment. Not the big decisions like who you're going to marry, the career you're going to have, the house you're going to live in. Every moment. There is a book written about you in heaven that God authored every single moment. Let me just say it like this. There is nobody more passionate about seeing you walking in your destiny and calling than God. Why? Because God was the one that wrote it out. And every single one of you has a yearning on the inside. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you say, I know that there is more to life. I know that there is more to me. God hardwired you with that. The Bible says a purpose in a man is his deep water, but the man of understanding draws it out. Purposes like water. How often do you need water? Every single day. So it's not like a one-time gig. I know my destiny and then I'm done. You need it every single day. You're drawing it out. And God is showing you those moments that he penned in his book. There's nobody more passionate about seeing you walk into destiny and calling. Do you know why? I'm not even going to go there yet. I'm just going to hold on to that in my back pocket. But when I pull it out, man, it's going to make you scream. Okay, let's keep going because I want, I want to stay on. I want to stay on. So, so God loves us. Okay, God thinks about us all the time. Okay, God didn't make us in some assembly line. You weren't made in a factory. The Bible goes on to say that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There's no mold of you. There's only one you. Why? Because you 
we're meant to shine a unique facet of God's righteousness and glory that, quite frankly, no one that's ever walked the earth and no one that ever will will be able to shine the way that you can shine. Waylon, I remember you from the last time I spoke at a youth conference. It's Waylon, right? God put you on my heart the whole time I was back there worshiping. I don't know what labels have been put on you, but God has an amazing calling on your life. And I prayed over you at that conference. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember what I told you? It's okay if you don't, because I'm going to say it again. God has called you to be a mighty leader. There's leadership all over you. Okay, look at the. I'm just thinking of the life of David. His brothers called him selfish. The king called him a shepherd. Goliath called him a dog, but God called him a king. And there's a there's a mantle of authority that's on your life, and God sees you. And I just want you to know that I'm so excited to watch your life unfold because there's something on your life. Don't ever doubt it. Don't ever question it. We don't know each other. We don't run in circles. I'm not giving you this word because I see the way that you're living your life, but God just put this inside of me to give to you. Don't ever forget that. There's a mighty calling on your life, Waylon. So God loves you. God has a calling for each and every single one of you. God penned out every moment of your life before a single day passed. God knit you together in your mother's womb. What a weird way to say, right? He knit you together. It's to show you that he took his time. You ever see somebody knit something? Probably not anymore, right? Go to YouTube and watch somebody knit something. It's precision in time. They can look back at that doily or blanket and they can say, I know every curve and every turn because I knit that thing together. Again, you weren't made in a factory or an assembly line. But here's the disconnect. God loves you. God has all these things for you, yet I'm not hearing from God. Here's the disconnect. Psalm 89.7 says this. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, and to be held in reverence by all those that are around him. God is greatly to be feared? What, are we supposed to be scared of God? No, you can't, you can't be in an intimate relationship with somebody you're scared of. So clearly this word fear doesn't mean what fear means to us, Right? So fear can be broken down into the word venerate. That's a word we don't use very often, but I'll break it down for you. It's to have reverence and awe. Those are two words we don't use very often. Okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to let you in on a secret here. The enemy, Satan, who's going after your soul, has attacked the meaning of words. The Hebrews the Hebrew language had certain words that were reserved just to talk about God. You only use these words to talk about the creator of all things. You wouldn't dare use that word to describe anything else. It was reserved just to talk about God. But somewhere along the line, and Satan knows what he's doing, he's dumbed down words. 
Let me give you an example. So that word awesome that would only be used to describe God because it's, 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 it's at the end of the, of the language. There's no other words I can use. Well, now my kicks can be awesome. That movie, Batman, that was awesome. My burger, awesome, dude. So God's awesome, and my kicks are awesome, and Batman's awesome. Do you see what Satan's done? He's dumbed down words, therefore giving you a low view of God. We just talked about the word honor. Sometimes to understand what a word is, you have to look at what it isn't. The word dishonor, you know what dishonor means? A lot of times people think like it means like spitting on someone or calling someone, speaking down to someone. Dishonor means to treat as common or ordinary. So when our burger's awesome, and Batman's awesome, and God's awesome, then we have a low view of God. And when we have a low view of God, we have a low view of ourselves. And when we have a low view of ourselves, we don't value our lives, and we don't pursue God. Moses said in Exodus 20:20, here's some 2020 vision for you. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Okay, wait a minute, what the heck does that mean? Do not fear, for God has come to test you to see if his fear is in you. Moses is making the distinction between the two different types of fear. Fear to be scared, don't be scared of God. He's testing you. What's the purpose of a test? To see what's on the inside of you. Why does the teacher give you a test? Because they trust that you have the information that they're looking for. It, it draws out. A test draws out what's inside of you. And so he's saying, don't be scared of me. This test that you're going through, this opposition, this adversity, is meant to draw out that reverence for me. It's going to cause you to run straight to me. See, when Moses delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, the promised land wasn't the destination. The mountain was. Moses wanted to introduce them to God first before he brought them into the promised land. Because if they went into the promised land without knowing the promiser, they would make the place a place of idolatry. So Moses' whole, what his, all of his excitement was, was because he had met God on the mountain, and he wanted to introduce God to the people. But they were scared of him. And I love this, says this fear, this reverence, this awe, this fear of the Lord, it protects us so that we may not sin. As I started to, the first time I heard this, I started to press into it. I started to see all the times the Bible referenced the fear of the Lord, which I had no idea what that meant. I thought it meant, just meant you were scared of God, which makes no sense at all. That's what the Israelites were struggling with. And then I took a, like, look, a look at the life of Jesus. Remember the disciples, they were, 
they were in a, in, a, in, a, in a conversation, and they were like, Jesus, we don't know how to pray. Can you please teach us how to pray? And, and Jesus gave him the Lord's Prayer. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer? Our, feather, our Father, <laughs> our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then that hit me. Jesus taught his disciples to have reverence as they approach God in prayer. Hallowed means holy. It means revered. To understand who God is in the context of this whole world. Not to look at Jesus as Jesus is my homeboy. Okay, but to understand who God is. Because when you understand who God is, it all changes. The enemy has no power over you anymore. Okay, you're not drawn by the shiny things offered in this world. C.S. Lewis said it like this. Every single one of us have a God-shaped hole. And no amount of sex, status, or stuff will ever be able to satisfy that longing. Only a relationship with our creator. And when you understand he's the creator and that he loves you and that your life is in the palm of your hand, you truly can be set free from worry, doubt, anxiety, fear, because you know your life is in God's hand. See, Proverbs 8.13 says it like this, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. And this is why I hate pride, arrogance, corruption, and perverted speech. Hate evil. Can I be honest? It's, it, it's kind of easy to love what God loves. But do you hate what he hates? Look, this isn't just a bunch of theology to me. Okay? When I gave my life, surrendered my life to the lordship of Jesus, okay, so it was a, it was a, it was a divine moment. Heavens opened up. I was bawling my eyes out. I was on my knees. God cleansed me and freed me from so many things. But you know what? I still had a lot of worldly thinking inside of my mind. And I did this. I know none of you would do this, but I did this. I remember calling. Uh, it was the youth pastor at the time, and I... <laughs> And I said, hey, basically, as it pertains to dating, how far can I go and be okay? That's what I said in my ignorance. Because what I was looking at was how far away from God can I be and still be okay with God? When the fear of the Lord is the opposite. You want to be so far away from that stuff because you're closer to him. So it was a paradigm shift for me because here I was trying to see what I could get away with, right? But all that was doing was trying to, was trying to walk away from God. See, the Bible says in Hebrews, for believers, we are to pursue holiness without which no one is going to see the, the Lord. Holiness, that's a big word that gets thrown around in church a lot. We sing it in songs. What does it actually mean? It means to be set apart. If I could put it like this, holiness is God's absolute best for your life. It's the life that he penned in that book, Psalm 139, 16. It means to be set apart, to be set above the things that would try to ensnare and drag you down and entangle you. God's called you to soar, not to be bumping 
in the night against every sin and, and plan of the enemy. But when I read that, pursue holiness without which no one's going to see the Lord, I said to myself, man, I need to pursue holiness or I'm not going to see God, which I certainly believe that it means. But as I studied that scripture and I meditated on it and I began to pray, I felt like the Holy Spirit expanded my view. If we as a church don't pursue holiness, then the world isn't going to see the Lord. Because the Bible says that we are his ambassadors. And as an ambassador, we don't represent ourselves, we represent that's right. And the one attribute that's listed above all others that the seraphim cry out night and day is holy, holy, holy. So if the world looks at us and says, man, you do what I do, you say what I say, yeah, really no different than me, then we've done a poor job of being ambassadors of Christ. We're not representing him, we're representing the world. Now, before you go down a road of works, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about behavior modification. I'm not talking about pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. I am talking about that God's redemptive grace, as we behold him, we become more like him. God's grace empowers us to go beyond our natural ability, what you can't do in your own strength. And can I tell you this? The calling and destiny that God has on your life, you can't do it. You can't do it. And if you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail. You're going to fall. God designed it that way so that you would have to come to the end of yourself and say, this is all of my experience. This is all of my gifting. This is all of my intellect. And God's like, that's great because your destiny starts right here. And you're like, but this is the end of my intellect. This is the end of my gift. This is the end of everything I have. And God says, that's the point. And then you have to take a step of faith. And once you take that step, faith is the conduit in which you receive God's grace, which takes you beyond what you're capable of. And that is when you begin to walk in your true calling your complete and utter dependence upon God to walk that out. That way God gets all the glory because he doesn't share his glory with anyone. So people look at you and go, wait a minute, are you mad? Like, didn't you barely pass high school? Like, how, how are you doing what you're doing? It's all God. See, Man tries to, when you go in for an interview, right, you show all your strengths. I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do this. And then you hide, and then you hide your weaknesses, right? You don't want them to see that stuff right there. Don't ask me about Excel, okay? All right, these are my strengths. But God's the total opposite. In fact, God says my power works best. He didn't just say it works. He said it works best in your weakness, in your human inability. So we should boast in our weakness because God gets the glory in that area. But that's hard, man, because we got pride. 
right? We want to look good. I want to project a certain image. I want you guys to think that I'm cool. That's why I use words like that slaps, that's lit. But you guys can see through it. I'm not cool. So you give God your weakness, you step out in that area. And I'm telling you, that's always going to be where the calling is. That's always going to be where the destiny is. See, I'm going to tell you, this, this is really, this, this is heavy stuff. Holiness. If you took a movie that most Christians were comfortable watching today, and you showed it to a group of believers, let's just say from the 1950s. I'd be willing to bet. I bet I'd win this bet. Every single one of those believers would walk out of the theater. So what's changed? Culture, right? We're in the, we're in the kettle. <laughs> and they're turning up the heat. And that's why it's so important that we get our identity from scripture and not from the world that we don't receive the labels that the world is putting on us because he'll confuse the world satan all the way back in the beginning right got eve and adam to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if you look at the if you read that tonight or tomorrow it says the bible eve wasn't attracted to the evil side of the tree of knowledge of good and evil she's attracted to the good Bible says when she saw that it was good, she tasted and ate. So the enemy's the deceiver. And the problem with deception is you believe with all your heart you're right, and in reality you're completely wrong. That's why it's so dangerous. That's why the word of God must be our foundation. Because can I say this? Satan knows the scripture. He knows it better than any theologian that's walking the earth today. I guarantee you that. And he's going to attack you by twisting and perverting scripture. How do I know that? Because that's what he did with Eve, and that's what he did with Jesus when he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. You remember that? He just twisted the word just a little bit. But Jesus didn't fall for it because Jesus knew the word. All right, let's look at the life of Jesus. Isaiah 11:2 through 3, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Speaking of Jesus, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The prophet Isaiah is, is, is saying that the spirit of the fear of the Lord will rest on Jesus. And then he goes on to drop this bombshell. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. You're like, Matt, you were quoting a lot of Old Testament scripture. Well, I just took it to Jesus, WWJD, okay? So what does it look like to walk in the fear of the Lord? That's a good question, right? Like, what does that mean, Matt? Like, I want to have reverence. I want to have awe. But, like, how, how, do, I, how do I do that? Like, what, what is that? Do I have to raise my hands higher? Like, what is that? Do I have to dance? I got to take my shoes off? Like, is that the thing? No, it's none of those things. To walk in the fear of the Lord, I'm going to give you f four points, okay? Number one is to obey him instantly. Do you know how many people I've encountered over the course of my life that have said, you know what, the Lord's been dealing with me on this particular issue. You know, the Lord's been, been really putting in my heart to do this, and, you know, I just haven't quite 
done it yet. You're just showing your lack of the fear of the Lord. You're looking at God as ordinary, as common. But the Bible tells us to obey instantly. You know, a good, a good, a good individual to look at in the Bible to demonstrate the fear of the Lord would be Abraham. When he was asked to sacrifice Isaac, the Bible says, early the next morning, he got up. Number two, you obey him even if it doesn't make sense. Do you know how many people, myself included, because I'm a big, I like to think I'm a problem solver, but really I'm an overthinker. You know what I mean? But that's the way that I get to swallow it. I'm a problem solver. But really, I'm an overthinker, which leads into anxiety, doubt, and worry. Do you know how many times God has asked me to do something, and I'm like, okay, well, wait a minute. Uh, is that really God? Because if I did this and I do that, and you reason yourself out of what God told you. There are going to be times that God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense in the natural. Because God sees everything from the beginning to the end. And if you're going to lean on your own understanding and your own natural eyes, then you're going to completely miss what God has for you. We walk by faith and not by sight. You know, the Bible says that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet. It's not a light post or a, a lighthouse. I wish it was. I wish I could see a mile down. But what, what is a lamp? It's like I can see three steps. And then I can see another three steps. Because God knows what he's called you to. If you were to look half a mile down there, you'd say, no thanks, man. I'm all good. I don't see how that could benefit you, God. Because we think linear. We think straight line. Okay? But God may have you straight line. There's my destiny. He may have you come over here. You're like, whoa, I'm further away than when I started. And then he may have you come over here. Then he sends you back over here, and he's building and developing that character inside of you so that you can handle when you get here. Because God's more, God's more concerned with the condition of your heart and your character than your comfort. In fact, nowhere in God's word does it promise you comfort. But it does one better. It promises you a comforter. You obey him even if it hurts, even if there's a loss in it. I don't see how this is going to benefit me. You got to trust him. You obey him even if he don't see a benefit, and you obey him to completion. Remember Saul, he did 99% of what God asked him to do. He just kept the king alive. He lost his kingdom. 99% disobedience is full, or 99% disobedience, 99% obedience is disobedience. See, Psalm 25, 14 says it like this. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. With them, he shares his secrets. God has so much that he wants to show you. You know, m many Christians, it, it grieves my heart because we settle 
for this shallow understanding of God, this shallow relationship where God has so much more for us. He yearns jealously for us. Exodus 32, 4 said it like this. The Israelites, they knew God's acts. Moses, he knew his ways. And he even changed his mind. I want to know God's ways. I want to know God's ways over my life. I want to know what God is doing on the earth. I want to be on the front lines of the advancement of the kingdom of God. And God is sharing all throughout scripture that he wants to show you those things. But for your protection, you have to understand who God is and who you are in relationship to that. Go back to Abraham. All of those points that I just shared, he embodied every single one of them. Early the next morning, he took his son up. He tied him down, and he raised his hand. And the book of Genesis says, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Do not lay your hand on the lad, or don't do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. And Abraham didn't have Genesis to read. Isaiah 33, 6 says this, He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich storehouse of salvation and wisdom and knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Sure found everywhere i look it looks i'm reading about christians deconstructing their faith and i have to ask myself what foundation have they built their faith on psalm 19 9 says this the fear of the lord is clean enduring forever It cleanses us. It cleans us when we understand who God is, when we have the reverence for God, when we truly look at him for who he is. I mean, like, we're fascinated with these, uh, you know, superhero movies, and like, this guy can fly, this guy can shoot lasers out of his eyes. Guys, these are fictional characters. God, the creator of heaven and earth, weighed every drop of water on this earth in the palm of his hand. And when you understand this, when you come to God and you understand who God is, it really makes your problems seem small and insignificant. Not that God doesn't want to hear them, but all of a sudden you put them in perspective to who's on your side and who's against you. Because when you look at the weight of the opposition or the adversity that's facing you down, it seems big, and it's your focal point. And what God is saying is put this into focus. Understand who I am. And then understand the, the problem that's sitting in front of you. So I'm going to ask you to stand. 
And we can invite the worship team back up here because I'm going to give you the opportunity to be able to respond um, to this message. And I know that this is a heavy message. You're like, Matt, you talked about the fear of the Lord and holiness, all these big words. But I share these things with you because it grieves my heart to know that these scriptures all throughout the Old and New Testament are not being preached or taught. And the Bible says that this is the key to intimacy with God, understanding this. You know, I was reading in National Geographic the other day, and it said that, you know, the world is made up, 70% of the world is made up by water. Did you know that? Science. But it says that man has only explored less than 15% of, of the ocean. Think about that. Think about how long we've been here. Think about that little fish with the light on it. You know, we, sharks, whales, octopus, seahorse. Think about all we know about the ocean. Ariel, Ursula, like everything that we know about the ocean, which is a lot. Aquaman. But we've only explored less than 15%. That means the majority, 85% of the ocean, we have absolutely no idea what it looks like, what lives in there. We have no clue. Why? Because we've never explored it. And when I was reading this article, it dawned on me how many of us are in the church that we've stayed in the shallows when God is calling us out into the deep. When we settled for the scraps from the master's table. But the Bible says that he will make a banquet table in the midst of your enemies. And that he will fill you to overflowing. I believe with all my heart that the key to walking in the fullness of your identity, of understanding truly who God is, and being able to know his secrets and know his ways as Moses did, is to walk in the fear of the Lord. And I want to give you the opportunity tonight to respond. I want to give you the opportunity symbolically. There's nothing magical about coming forward, but it's an act of faith. It's an act of faith to posture your heart to respond to the word of God and say, Lord, I'm not satisfied with 15%. I want to walk in the fullness of what you intended my life to look like. I want to know your secrets. I want to know what brings your heart joy. I want to be above the things that hold me down, the addictions that I can't seem to walk away from, that I can't free myself from. I want to access that grace that takes me far beyond what I'm capable of. If that's you tonight, and you want to step out of the shallows and into the deep, 
I want to invite you to come to this altar. Just come forward. We're going to have some people pray for you. James 4, 8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you.